Is that is that what underperforming is now? It's a Pioshik performance. <laughs> no, I think that technically Pioshik always performs kind of bad, so it wouldn't be an underperformance. Oh. It would just be average. I shouldn't be attacking Pioshik this much, but yeah, like <laughs> not if you want Mir to stay on TLC, you shouldn't. Yeah, right. True. Seriously. <laughs> That's true. Hello everybody and welcome to the Salt Mine. This is season 2, episode 2, where we have just gotten through week number 1 of the summer 2023 NACL. We've lost one member since last week, but we are coming back with the four-man panel. We've got Slayer, Nyarko, TDS, and myself, Gordo, joining on for today's uh, little breakdown of the first 30 games of the NACL. First things first, guys... We have six less games that we have to watch each week versus versus last split, which on the one hand feels bad because we have less teams overall, but on the other hand, it does make this a little easier to get through in a day. How, how have you guys been feeling about the new schedule so far? Um, I, I'm enjoying it partially because I am also coming from a very different perspective. Um, as these guys know, I, I was finishing up a degree uh, for the first split of North American Challengers League, so already out the gate. It was very overwhelming, and that uh, was part of the reason why I was absent for a lot of these uh, Salt Mine episodes. So it feels a lot more manageable now for me, but I also don't have a collegiate course load on my hands. So <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. There we go. This is more work than any class I took in grad school is what I'm going to say, Slayer. <laughs> um, I think that the biggest issue with this is that I still am behind on games, and now I feel worse about it because there's less games to be behind on, yet still I continue to lag. So hopefully I'll be able to get my reps up and whatnot. But with LCK and whatnot also broadcasting, I do want to keep an eye on the international scene. Yeah, I'm already kind of addicted anyway to watching games. So like, I, it's it's this it's a Tuesday to me. I watch this, I watch LCK, I watch LCS, I watch football. Everything can be get in between. It's easy. Yeah, for sure. I'm uh, between the 15 games of LCS a week now too. I'm just gonna still be constantly slumped in behind, uh, and then the plenty of uh, NACLQ games to keep covered as well. But still, enjoy the new format. Like that, we get to uh, at least be talking about every team potentially being eligible for relegation, and it's definitely gonna be uh, a long season, but one that should be filled with plenty of good games. And I do like that we don't have that awkward split now where some teams play three games and other teams only played two games and always, uh, made the calculus for player of the week, super weird. It made the calculus for like who had a good week, who had a bad week, super weird. And now at, at the very least we get to bury that behind us and we get to see each matchup twice rather than just having, you know, one team play each other and they might have even two or three players different when they play, the first time versus when they like end of the season and meet later on playoffs. So we'll we'll take it. We'll take the changes. We'll we'll call them a net positive, even though we did end up losing a bunch of teams. But let's get into that player of the week discussion here, where we've had three matchups apiece from each team, six games from every player. Who do we feel like really stands out from week number one as as somebody we'd want to give this award to? We were discussing beforehand. No, no none of us have revealed our picks yet. But I, I do. I suspect that there's going to be a front runner who gets a couple of votes here. But let's uh, let's see who who's brave enough to step up first and and give who their selection is going to be. I'll do it over here. Uh, this box is too small, even with only four people. So <laughs> You're just taking up too much of the box, time. man. It takes true. <laughs> it's really hard to actually fit <laughs> your camera in there. Look, Never there, 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 there's so many issues with my camera from like a broadcast setting as well, where. 
I need to get it centered on my screen, and there's no way for me to do that because of the way that my ceiling kind of overhangs and stuff like that. And so I'm kind of stuck with it on the stand off to the side, and so I can't make eye contact with you lovely people either. But that's enough waffling about the production side of things. I'll be moving soon, so hopefully that'll be fixed. And now I will be more centered and also further back than everybody else. But right now, you could look at my big old melon head saying that I think it's APA as Player of the Week. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think it's undoubtedly his teammate Mir. So that's that's my pick. Um, I'll, I'll let, let's let everyone get him out before I divulge. Yeah. I'm on the Mir train as well. I am I am on board for Mir all day every day. Interesting. So we have a two-two because I'm also with Nyarko. I mind his APA as well. <laughs> wow. TDS picking APA. Who saw that one? I'm kidding. No. I I mean honestly <laughs> like. I I went into this in my head like, all right, as long as it's A, a TL member, honestly, if we're being real, and B, if that duo was absolutely terrorizing uh, the first week. Uh, I, I love to see the APA Nautilus tech, and it really fooled the, te- the couple of the games and the, the teams they played. It was just like everybody was so focused on APA running around on Nautilus. They yep. kept trying to blow them up. Specifically, Marvel in game one, there were three times where I was like, why are they trying to blow up a tank Nautilus mid? And and they just end up getting rolled in the fights. I only pick Mir because I think he showed his usual champion diversity and the fact that he could carry, like hard carry, in that Nautilus mid matchup, not only on Kingdred, which you'd expect, but even did it later in Graves, where he just ran away with their final series. I, I just feel like it's Mir, but I totally also back the APA uh, pick. It makes a lot of sense. They, they were the one-two punch. Yeah, I'll reach across the aisle. It's the same thing for me. I think that yeah. my secondary pick would be Mir. The jungle mid continuity for TL was really the focal point of every single series that they played in. And while I think that it's justifiable to go either way, perhaps it's specifically around Nautilus that I vote for APA over Mir because Mir had one game on Nautilus jungle, right? And it was the one where he like went 0 and 5 versus DSG, and that was the one with that they split, I believe, with that team. The only loss on the week. So maybe then, given the fact that we saw so many other big performances on nautilus but in the hands of ap i thought oh, you know i'm just gonna go with whoever the better nautilus was yeah and i think the way that to bring that up for me with apas it, it's something that I, I remember i mentioned on the in the first plate where tl was struggling horribly and they were not looking that great and it's the fact that tl depend quite a lot or at least to a certain degree on what apa can find to try and put for the team like, he is the one that makes a lot of the plays, or in, in a lot of senses, not necessarily start fights, but makes fights happen in a way that TL can win them. And I think that that is a huge advantage that brings forth a lot of the possi- the possibilities for Mir to be the hard carry. Obviously not taken away from Mir, I think that he is one of the best junglers, if not the best jungler in the league as of now. And APA enables him to go even farther with that, but he also enables the rest of the team. I think that the team moves around so well what APA can find, that that's why even if it's not Nautilus, if he's on the Ari, on any of these other champions, that Twisted Fate, I think, particularly was such a good pick from him, and he was able to bring forth such a good amount of strength from TL, that that is why I think that he's now showcasing even more, because the team can back him up. And then, like, obviously the team is one of the most cohesive ones. And I think that it goes to show as well when you see the team fighting. But a lot of that revolves around what APA can do and obviously what Mir can do as well. Yeah, I'm glad you shout out the TF from APA because that's that was disgusting. Once that was he, such a good one. He, he had the static shiv and rapid fire cannon and he had Hextech soul <laughs> over top. Dude was half healthing whoever he wanted with one yellow card. Yeah, for sure. I actually think the, the, the TF almost counts as points against him for me. I mean, I'm don't get me wrong. I love to see another APA champion coming through here, but... Uh, I think it's the 
it's really the loss of, uh, or not really the loss, but like it's just another new chance. The the lack of raw mechanical skill that it takes to operate the Twisted Fate, uh, and the fact that I think he's kind of just walking in, gold carding people, setting up for Arrow and Mirror to be able to play out their team fights the way they want, and Bradley as well, who has a couple of really solid Kennen games in there, and. Um, I do love to see that there's a kind of new APA champion, though. Like, it feels like all last season there were these picks that he was playing that nobody else was playing. It was the Cassiopeia, and it was the Ziggs, and now I'm going to add the Twisted Fate to that list because he's the only one playing it, and he's he's making it look quite good and making it look like it should be a priority. Drew a ban, at least one ban on it. I th- I would not be surprised if there was more than one ban, and I, I may have missed one somewhere along the way. Um, but definitely uh, going to be a pick of his to watch going forward and going to be another thing in that champion pool that you just have to pay really close attention to for APA. I think he's he's leading the pack for mid laners so far and, and should continue to do so. Um, but I have to give it to Mir. I mean, that Graves' performance was so fantastic. Uh, I think his Vi games were very solid. I think he's kind of a cut above some of the other Vi's in the league, and I know that's another point-and-click, ignore-everybody-else champion, but a lot of his, uh, his really on-point vault breakers, his flash vault breakers, ended up making a lot of big differences, making a lot of plays happen, and... Uh, yeah, I'm still, after having watched Pioshik play one game of LCS now, I'm, I'm still on the mirror for LCS train, I'll tell you that much. Dude, I, I honestly hope not. I, I don't want them to destroy TLC. I'm, my hopes are on them, not on the TL actual squad. I hope that they don't break up this. I was also going to say, like, just to not leave it as a TL only boat, like, I wanted to shout out as well. I think Young from DSG played, had a really good week, even though DSG are still, like, below this from TLC there had a pretty good showcase on the first week him and I think fake got as well had a really good first week even though the they are not on the like first uh position they are still doing a really good job and I think those are two players that I, I would want to shout out as well uh, I'm glad you do that to you guys because I was about to ask if anybody wanted to shout like an underrated sleeper pick they had uh, I, I was going to go, uh, mine, uh, I know we'll get into it later. I, I think music has had a lot of really solid performances for Supernova. I think he's uh, the main catalyst why they're doing better than a lot of us predicted out the gate, uh, through one week. So, uh, I, I want to shout out music cause he also had some very good Vi games, um, took over in one game against wildcard who were coming into that matchup, like in top three position two in the league. So if I had to pick a sleeper, music is a good one, but the DSG shoutouts as well as Soul Laners is a great one. Yep. Nowhere near a sleeper because he's getting named as a uh, as a starter or as a uh, as a main roster member, not as a starter. Uh, but I think Shaden had a great week as well. Um, you know, not quite the consistency that I saw out of Mir is is what ends up costing him the uh, the pick there. But I thought Shaden had a really good week as well, and and Shaden had. Some other issues to deal with around the map, we'll say. Um, whereas I think uh, Mir got some really solid performances out of us all, all of his teammates. So uh, a little shout out is in order there. Yeah, that's fair. I was looking at AOE. I actually enjoyed Darkwing's performance quite a bit. Uh, they had a few standout pop-off games. That it's all I mids and junglers today. Team. Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of what it's it. like in the meta right now. It's the yeah. same thing happening bot every single game. I guess I could shout out Lynx if I wanted to also kind of focus upon, you know, some other part of the map. But, you know, when the eighty carries are grabbing the same picks and therefore kind of playing the same way uh, from person to person, I got to look at the little variations that come through elsewhere on the map, you know? It's funny you say Dark Wings. If I had to name the next guy, I would shout out on AOE for their great week. It would be Will. <laughs> so, it's a big, oh no, big jungle again. Fair enough. It would be. It would be Will for me too. I mean, 
But let's let's get into some of the teams of the week. Let's start off with we were talking about Shaden a little bit. Let's talk about EG. Kind of surpassing a lot of expectations here, except for maybe oh, Bonfire. God forbid. Uh, as EG actually sitting top two right now, uh, top three, I suppose, as they're kind of tied all in all with uh, with disguised as well at that four and two record. Um, you know, really coming back after what was a, a frankly garbage spring split. Uh, we talked plenty of shit about that last week. Now coming in to to be sitting towards the top of the league off of the back of a of a pretty solid week one performance. How do we feel about Evil Geniuses, and, and what do we feel like the big differences have been? Well, technically, they have the same roster, so you could argue that this should be. And and no, I'm going to correct myself. They have their actual roster, so this should be a better EG ride on paper. We talked about the possibility that because now they do actually have their roster, they can actually play to the a, a good enough degree that they can. Uh, put a good enough performance and I feel like they've been doing a really good job particularly I think Bodling has been a really nice showcase from them even though they didn't go the full way and get the first place and took the the whole league by storm I think that a really good first week showing Bodling looking solid I still think Soul and Shaden are two of the rockiest parts because I do think that they have a better performance already than their spring but they are 50 50 sometimes and that can be scary in a lot of situations. So if they can correct that, I can see them being a bit higher in general. But as of now, I'm glad that they are able to bring this turnaround and that they are able to at least bring up a fight against the expected top three. I, I wouldn't put them against the top three just yet. I still have high hopes for Flycy and DSG, but they are entering that like step towards that. Yeah, I, I agree on the bot lane point for sure, and it, it feels really bad too, because our whole refrain all of spring was, no, it's not mobility's fault, it's not mobility's fault, everybody stop blaming mobility, there's so much else wrong with this team, but oh boy does King look <laughs> way, way better coming in here, and he just yeah. has a really solid week one performance, I mean, if this was a... If this was a rookie, right, if this was a player that hadn't played in an ACL before and they rolled up and had a performance like King this week, everybody would be losing it. Um, but it's yeah. King, and he's you know he's been at this level before, so he doesn't carry that same level of excitement. But I think he had a great week. I mean, I, I have very few criticisms for him. Even in their losses to Wildcard, I think King looks quite good uh, and is making quite a few plays. And I'm excited to see the rest of the season out of him in particular. As the EG hater, I am going to try to defend at least some of what I did in my power rankings because, boy, are things coming undone. Not only in terms of just where I thought these teams actually were going to be in regards to their power, but also where I wanted them to be in regards to my fandom. Um, what I'm going to say is that I don't think EG have been truly tested yet, and clearly there has been some amount of wavering and getting back into the swing of things that you see, not even within just the EG series that we watched, right? Uh, I look at Fear in particular as a team that is underperforming, but I think that this is going to be something that they're going to be able to pull themselves back from. Maryville University, uh, to what extent they got exposed and kind of contributed to EG having such a great placement after this first week is kind of up in the air for me. Um, but what I will say is that I'm tending more towards saying Maryville is not as good as I hope they would be rather than saying EG is better than I think they are. So I want to see a few more games out of them. I want to see them more pushed, more tested going forward before I really start eating crow, as it were. And I guess now I'm really digging myself a hole because I don't know if Maryville is going to improve. But if I'm also saying, actually, I was wrong on Maryville, but I'm not wrong on EG and I turn out wrong on both. It's just going to be absolute misery for me for this season. Well, there's a reason why we're all posted up against a salt wall 
is because we contribute to the added salt as the season goes on, right? The salt <laughs> uh, no, I, I definitely think that's a great point to bring up, Narco. Uh, we hit a lot of the points on the head when talking about EG. I think, I mean, they haven't, I think they haven't been tested very well. I mean, like you mentioned, just just to make sure if any of the listeners don't know that their slate for this week off the top of their head, they they played Maryville Wildcard and AOE. So you, at least going into the season, at least off of our power rankings, right? They didn't play a team, what, the net rank? I don't think any of those guys eclipsed the net ranking of seven or maybe others a sixth place for one of them. I think at most sixth. Sixth, yeah. Wildcard ended Eight, up like AOE. net sixth for us. Yeah. Net sixth okay, yeah, so, a wildcard, yeah. Yeah, so you know, not above net six yet through three three series. So certainly you can take it with a grain of salt. But I, I think I think the the point about King is the one to hammer home because it, it quite literally to, to make a bit of a joke out of it, it quite literally felt like that first series Maryville just watched tape on EG challengers with mobility. And then they went into that series like, Oh, okay, yeah, we won't have to worry about AD carry. <laughs> and then King just like like the, the second the first or second game that that Zeri game he had where he just was literally unkillable I think he ended up like eight one and something by the end of the game was was definitely a tough watch as the guy that put Maryville five uh but definitely for the EG side really showed some improvements I'm most I can't wait to see them test uh play fear next week I know we'll get into more of that later but I feel like EG's the team where you're like all right they're overperforming a bit do we think they should stay here and this is the test and then fear is on the other end is like all right they're underperforming but do we think they can go up it's like the perfect kind of matchup they're both in a weird different headspace so Regardless, though, at the end of the day, you, you beat who's in front of you, right? And EG did that week one. Well, and the big attribute there that I think is going to determine where they end up it is going to be Soul, right? I, I do not know what to make of this guy anymore. Uh, I, I think, you know, they slam Wild, or they slam Maryville in, in week, or in game number one, match number one, whatever you want to call it, number one. And then they come up up against Wildcard, and Zamudo just crushes Soul. I think. I, I think Soul also doesn't. He doesn't do very well against Niles in the Maryville game either. I recall over aggressing on Gragas and dying under turret for for a first blood in there once or twice, and really looks rough against Zamudo as well, who should be coming in here as like as a rookie, as this uh, you know player playing his first real split of NACL, other than in that Proving Grounds matchup he got to do with AOE, and. But then he turns it all around. I mean, as does the rest of EG in, in match number three up against AoE. I think Sol actually looked very good there, does very well up against Concept. And, you know, whereas I was gearing up on Monday to, to come on here and, and talk about how Sol just looks awful and has completely dropped off a cliff. Uh, now he's given me a little bit of hope, and now I don't know what to think. It's the 50-50s, I tell you, like... It's there. It's a potential. We can see that maybe they can come through. But then you see the Pyoshik performance and then it falls off. And it's the risky part. Is that is that what underperforming is now? It's a Pyoshik performance? <laughs> no, I think that technically Pyoshik always performs kind of bad. So it wouldn't be an underperformance. Oh. It would just be average. I shouldn't be attacking Pyoshik this much, but... Yeah, like not if you want Mir to stay on TLC, you shouldn't. Yeah, right. True. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> that's true. All right, all right. Well, that's plenty said on Evil Geniuses. We'll be keeping eyes on them as we go into the next couple of weeks. Let's talk about Cincinnati Fear here a little bit, who look to be on a bit of a slump. I mean, we had this. This is like our consensus fourth team. Everybody was talking about them either being in competition for or being right inside that top four. Uh, either being in competition with the top three or being right outside the top three, much rather. Uh, and they come out eh, looking hot and cold in, in week number one. Uh, where are we feeling on Cincinnati Fear? 
It ended up being a bid with one of my main fears with them. I ironically said, uh, or no, no pun intended. Uh, they didn't upgrade really with the with the players that they got. Uh, like to me, it was a side grade at best, and it got it showed itself when the rest of the teams actually made changes that could impact the way that they played, or they just had a better roster to begin with. Then it, it if you didn't really upgrade above that, you're not going to be able to go against them that effectively, and that's kind of my fear with fear. Once again, no pun intended. They don't have really anything that will push them farther against teams that did make changes. Obviously, there could be teams that make changes for the worst and they could be below them. But if there's not a lot of teams like that and there's actually two only two teams that did that, they are not going to be above those teams. That's kind of the fear that I had with them. And looking at how the first week played out, it's not like they, they grasped in any way. They are still playing kind of similar. Obviously, Philip and I'm JJ. lacking on the sport. And JJ still need to get accustomed to the team overall, but it's not like they digressed in any way, in any big way from their typical playstyle. It's just that I, I feel like the other teams do have more tools in them to try and get something out of them. See, I actually come in pretty differently there. I think actually uh, coming off of uh, this first week, I, I actually I don't put too much of this on the subs, and I mean obviously that impacts the synergy a little bit, and that could explain some of the wider issues that we're seeing. I think JJ especially looks actually quite good coming into week number one. I think Phillips hot and cold, um, but I really I, I feel like I fe see a big underperformance from Manui especially. I think Manui has a very rough week. He gets caught in a lot of strange situations. He uh, does some crazy face checks in a Rose Thorns Wukong to throw one of the games up against Taco. And, uh, yeah, just all in all, cannot seem to get his team fighting together. Uh, and Perry, I mean, just looks weaker than I expect Perry to look. It's kind of, it's really hard for me to put my finger on it. Maybe I have to go back and watch a lot of these early jungle games. But again, uh, Team Fish Taco is what stands out to me. They hey, There's one game there where, again, Rose Thorn Wukong just fully gaps Perry in the early game, just has a complete read on what's going on, built a huge lead for himself, gets a free first blood out of it, and it is just really hard for Perry to get into the game after that. He doesn't look like the worst jungler in the league by any means, but I, as somebody who kind of has Perry pegged as, as this guy who could take a big step up and could be like the next target for LCS teams, I, I was pretty disappointed in Perry's week one. I guess I also take a little bit of a different uh, stance here. I, I do really like, I think where I've come away is I definitely agree with the point that uh, Manui definitely disappointed. Uh, but I also found myself throwing a lot of question marks at how Philip was playing some of these games. You said hot and cold, Gordo. Maybe I just am zoning in on the cold games. Like that Maryville game uh, on the True. Olaf, yeah. he was making a lot of really weird plays. Like Really he, indecisive, right? Yeah, it was really... That's like, you can't do that with all. And we're back after a little bit of an internet hiccup. Slayer, you, you were saying, my friend? Yeah, my Discord, it was being as indecisive as uh, it felt like Philip Philip was being in the MU game uh, on the Olaf. Uh, I was just talking about... I, I want to reflect on the... Gordo said the cold, hot and cold from Philip in this week. I guess I might be focusing a little more on the cold, but his indecisiveness really showed for me. And I'm starting to feel like when we, we talked about Faisal for Philip as a sideways play... 
so far, at least week one reactions, it feels like it might have even potentially been a downgrade. He he really got caught in that Maryville game a lot on that Olaf, taking like 1v1s without Ragnarok that he shouldn't have been, running into team fights, not popping Ragnarok, and then to do it halfway through after they lost Manui in the fight. It's like, if you're making Maryville look good in a matchup, as much as I don't mean to take this shot, sorry, Nerica. If you're making Maryville look good at the end of the week, uh, you've got some problems, and, and I felt like Philip was a lot of those problems for fear. So I kind of want to dog, not dogpile, but add that into the criticisms that we've already thrown. I think the, it, if we're talking about where, where he was hot, just uh, sorry to cut you off there in Yarko, but uh, if we're talking about where, where I think Philip had a good game, I think that game one against taco, even though they do end up losing it. Um, I think his Gragas like is a huge part of their comeback in the mid game there. And like, again, that's the game where Perry gets completely taken out by Rose Thorns Wukong. And I think it's, it's really Phillips Gragas that pulls them back. Um, so, I mean, that's maybe that game alone is really carrying um, Phillip back up in my standings, but I, I do agree that Olaf game was, was a rough one. And best of twos are a pretty volatile format. I think that, they are underperforming for sure. There are games where they're making mistakes that they simply shouldn't. And for me, a lot of that weight is on Minui, like you guys have already highlighted. But what I will say is that we're going to be getting a shakeup in the bot lane. Zeri's getting nerfed. I imagine that we're going to get more changes as the season progresses, as this is kind of the target of a lot of people's ire in pro play. Um, that entire lane just has a very set in stone kind of meta that I'm sure people are going to change and address. And maybe that kind of alteration will be enough to open back up upon something that Minui's a little bit happier playing in and just in general the being caught out the kinds of mistakes that we see out of here i think are ones that you expect from a team that might be a little bit rusty just coordinating and working together and especially when you just look at the bot lane uh two player kind of dynamic that you have jj's new or at least coming into this team and has to adjust to playing with minui right so that is something that i want to see fear address but i'm not going to throw my hands up just yet and say that we misplaced this team i think that they just simply need to be able to bring it back and prove it in a future week so i guess that i'm kind of on the same i'm on the same trajectory as i am with egc which is we just got to wait to see how they perform in the future but i'm more optimistic for them than i am for egc i guess on that front it's always important to mention it is week one so take literally everything we have with Ooh. the many grains of salt we provide on this podcast yeah from the mine from, from the, the mine, mine. From the mine. As let's get a little bit more positive again, though. Uh, we talked about AOE and Supernova both in there a little bit. As um, we've talked about both of them a little bit already, but I think both of them come in with really surprising weeks for everybody. Uh, I think quite a few of us had them lower. Some of us are a bit higher on AOE than others, but uh, Supernova, I think we were pretty universally low on, and they really come in and surprise everybody. Um, I think we already highlighted the junglers a little bit, and I think that's probably going to be my primary area of focus here. I think both Music and uh, and Will come out looking great. Um, both of them having not been in the league last split, um, Will having not been playing competitive at all last split, um, but having been one of those hyped prospects for a while. I think both come in, take the league by storm. Both have some fantastic vibe performances. Uh, music stamps his uh, his mark on the league as having his Volibear be something that needs to be respected. And a great run for both of these guys. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I would go a bit up, particularly with Supernova. I think Quacker was one of the players that impressed me yeah. the most in how he came. I'm glad Both that guys. he got the chance to play it because he played really, really well. I'm 
thinking about like top laners right now in the league that are making a good impact for the team and he immediately jumps up obviously he's not above the top team top laners but he's making a really good case to start off he's trying to put his name out and i think that with this sort of performance he's going on the right direction and having a top lane and a jungle that can perform really well especially since we're going to talk about the potential shakeups of the meta coming forward can be a really positive trend to have moving forward so i'm i'm glad that this is something that sn has and if they can keep performing can be something really really positive for them i uh i love having Notice something the TDS noticed because he's the giga brain around here. So yeah, I was I was gonna say Quacker. I love agreeing with TDS. I think I think Quacker had some uh, standout performances. I think his Cassante was was really clean alongside mm -hmm. um, music, especially in their series. And make sure I get this one. I, I get yeah, in their series against Wildcard because that was a banger series, and a lot of the reason why Supernova were able to sort of carry through the storm that was that game too early and in that mid game was because quacker and music kept making plays towards the top side uh so i really liked i would say quacker is, is a good shout out I, i'm just kind of you know i'm definitely kind of like the the sad boy both in yarko is about maryville because i quite literally had uh, these two teams nine and ten respectively uh so <laughs> we're sitting here going through and there much higher than expected i'm honestly happy about it because these are you know this is like supernova and aoe we're not talking about TL's challenger roster and Fly's challenger roster surprising you. It's it's teams that just made it up here and are or are still kind of newfound names in the NA scene that don't really gr grab your Reddit thread attention on the title. So I'm happy to be wrong about it so far, and I, I'm really excited to just continue to watch Quacker because also just a goaded League of Legends name is Quacker. That's just <laughs> come on, like top ten. It's got to be for sure here i i also i want to highlight robbie bob a little bit as well i i think he looks very different this week than he looked on evil genius's last split during his time subbing in um and i don't really know what it is because it's like you know it, in, in a vacuum you want to say like oh he's, he's got all this confidence after running through sea lol or after how well he was able to do with uh team fish taco in their run through nacl queues last split and you know, you want to go for all these default narratives, but it's like, Robbie Bob's been around so long that none of that feels appropriate. I don't know, he's just showing a different layer here, and he and Music as a duo have very much impressed me, especially in that game one up against Wildcard. Uh, I would not have pegged Music and Robbie Bob as, like, being able to just totally gap Keel and Soligo in the two-on-two. -two. Uh, I would not have thought that that was something that would happen in week one. It, it definitely happens in game number one, Supernova versus Wildcard, and I think they've been pairing up really well as a duo throughout the whole weekend. So definitely going to be a mid-jungle pairing that I have my eyes on going forward. And I think that there's something really fitting and heartwarming about the fact that we have AoE and Supernova closing out this first week with a 3-3 three and three record apiece, uh, kind of showing that there's still plenty of time for them to compete versus one another by virtue of, you know, having each other's matchups in a way. And I'm happy that we also opened on a series between the two of them as well that went 1-1 one -one itself. For sure, yeah, for it sure. Was, it was very fun. I just want to quickly bring up because uh, you mentioned gore that game uh game one against wildcard uh that if we gave an award every week for uh wackiest draft or like weirdest weirdest like 5v5 set i don't know how supernova got the champ wasn't that game like the one where they had robbie bob on nico and they also yes. got quacker on cassante yeah like on 13.11 we're talking about solo lane champions you want to try b1 Nico is arguably the top one in mid, and 
Sante has consistently been the one in top. So I just remember watching that game back. I'm like, if Supernova lose this game, man, I'm not ever letting them out of 10th. And, well, they, they smashed the draft. They're free. They the game. They're unleashed. They're, free. <laughs> They're unleashed for my dungeon. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hang on. Wait, let me look at this draft. Because I, I remember what you're talking about. And it's like, it doesn't even end there. They have Zeri Lulu, too. Yeah. And yeah, they have the Vi, so they don't give up the Vi counter pick for the Zeri. I don't understand no. how this draft happened. <laughs> yeah, that's, they that's were limit cool. testing order. That's why. Wildcard was. <laughs> Surely, yeah, they were yeah. probably just get, trying to see how far they can go against the best champions in the meta. Yeah, they they came in. Not they far. came to that matchup three and one too. So like, if they hadn't just blown that draft, we potentially could be talking with them at first. Because who knows how that series looked too? If they don't just blow that game one draft open. True. Yeah, I mean, it, it, game two was really close. Yeah, I mean, if if both of those games are different, if we're going to go for alternate history, the wild card could be 5-1 and one here. They give you with Team Liquid. Yeah. And then the EG isn't even in second, and we have to change the first section of our show. It's true. It's a different world. It's Would a different have been really world. Fun. Uh, speaking of different worlds, though, uh, one world that has stayed the same is, is Maraville's world. Uh, and it's Narcos World, really, coming in here mm -hmm. as an NACL pundit, as you, the team that you support continues to uh, sit down here at the bottom. They get their one win way early this time, though, so we can get a little hyped about that. Uh, but Maryville, maybe even worse than we thought here, I I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> coming in with a really rough week number one, one and five, getting given one for free there by Cincinnati Fear at the very end, and even that one is hard fought. Uh what do we think has been going wrong for Maryville? I feel like we just all should leave, right? Like, just leave Narco. To solve it up. Narco, yeah, you can just take <laughs> over, man. I'm For the third time running, though, on this episode, I'm just going to say, we got to wait and see, guys. It's not over just yet, okay? There's still plenty of time for this team to develop. But, man, what a slap in the face that first series was in <laughs> retrospect, you know? It was proven to me that EG wasn't all that, you know? They split a game with Maryville, and they were looking okay, but it was just downhill from there. I don't even really know what it is, man. I think that they just kind of got draft-gapped in a few separate games. I really did not like the way that they were picking into to uh, TL in particular. I think that that was kind of a suffering full series. But at the same time, what I'm saying here is that I never expected them to beat TL to begin with. So that being one of their matchups, the other one being split between them and EG, uh, kind of just leaves one series where I really am sad they, with how things have gone. They split with fear. They split with fear. Oh, did they split with EG. fear? Yeah. yeah. Wait, who split with EG? Uh, uh, Taco, wasn't it? Taco, Taco did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking about Earth. the wrong thing. Okay. Yeah, no. EG 2-0's them at the start of the week. Correct. Ah, crap. Yeah, EG didn't well, split with anybody. They oh, EG didn't split with anybody. They 2-0'd, yeah. and then 2-0'd. Yeah. Oh, that, that's what I mean. Yeah, no. Maryville just got 2-0'd. So, still Correct. a slap in the face. Just, I'm not remembering it properly. Oh, my God. Um. Well, you know, the gravitational singularity of my Maryville University fandom has warped my ability to realistically perceive anything in the NACL at this point. So, I don't know. Um, fact of the matter is, they can improve, I think. Uh, they're going to have easier matchups going forward to a degree, especially if EG actually is all that, like people are talking about. So, that's my hope. Um, I'm going to withhold full despair and judgment as... You know, at, at the end of the day, my goals do change. I shift goalposts quite a bit in regards to my expectations for teams. And so, you know, for CLG, eventually the expectation just became, hey, we're eventually going to win another game. And that happened all the way in playoffs. 
So if that has to be my goal for Maryville University at the end of the season, so be it, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I felt like this already happened last split with CLG Faith. (laughs) We've been here before. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I know. Don't remind me. It feels similar. Yeah, Nyarko just trying to give us hope that it's not going to be delivered, probably. We, We don't know yet, but probably. And then I had to cast Bijani losing against uh, Mirage for the NACL qualifier just to really hammer home just how terrible yeah. things have been for, <laughs> you know, uh, the people that I root for. He had a good uh, run the rest of the weekend, right? though. Give him- it was, but was I there to cast it? Absolutely not, Gordo. No. I, <laughs> no. I just, I'll never forget, the, the, the way that I get reminded about Maryville's uh, weekend was that uh, me and Gordo... Uh, took some time to, to VOD watch together, which, by the way, is probably, like, I, I can't wait to keep doing that. It's just VOD watch with, with these guys. That'll be more fun. We got to start just, streaming. Just, It'll be fun. Yeah, we we should, actually. We could we could delve into that. But, I mean, it was just me and Gordo sitting there going against TL, the series, which, like you said, Narka, I didn't want to say, they're playing TL Challengers week one. So, it's like, do we expect them to win? No. But did me and Gordo find ourselves going, what the hell, multiple times, and especially uh, that game one? Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was rough. I, to, to give a silver lining, I think uh, the game one against TL, they should have lost at 24 minutes, but Niles yep. had a pretty good Cassante game. Uh, he single-handedly like kept that game alive for like 12 more minutes. So that was a really nifty teleport. He TP'd in the Baron pit and um, just Mir, I guess, forgot what Cassante does and got thrown out of the pit. And and, and oh, Auto yeah. Orange stole. Yeah, yeah that was the Baron steal. Yeah, the Baron steal, and then Auto Orange goes to Mountain Drake and steals it on a beautiful flag drag combo. Mir gets knocked up. So Auto Orange and Niles, mostly N- Niles, though, in that game, had a really good Cassante performance. It just felt like the rest of his team was really lacking. My, my problems, unfortunately, revolve a lot around get back. I, I You know, the way we talked about um, Manu- Manui getting caught in, like, spots where it's, like, weird. Like, why are you here? It's a lot of what I saw from Get Back. There was just too many moments where I was like, why is this your target selection? Why is this your positioning? And you're just giving too many openings, especially to TL, that you just cannot yeah. give over. And it was rough. Yeah. I, I And, rough, yeah, rough weekend for Maryville all around. I will say I, I spent a lot of time cooking narratives. And, Yarko, I've got, I got some copium locked and loaded for you, man. Uh, as I got a couple of uh, a couple of suggestions, a couple of potential explanations for for why Maryville's struggling here. W- one that is worth that I think actually might hold a little bit of salt here. Uh, it, actually, now that I think of it about it, I have three. But one that okay. I think is, is most oh, valuable, is most potentially reasonable, uh, is they did just play Seal Finals a week ago, uh, and arguably, like that was the big moment they were working their whole season for, you know. And I, obviously, I don't know exactly how they do their goal setting, but I would think if I'm Maryville University coming into 2023, our goals are win Seal number one, maybe qualify for NACL number two, uh, and and then you know maybe number three, number four, number five, way down there is like number three is probably like make Seal finals, like. You go. You have to probably go a ways down before you reach uh, perform well in week one of NACL, and I, it would not surprise me if like there's a little burnout contributing there. You know, these guys were probably seriously amping up for those Seal finals that we're now only a few days away from. So well, also the patch difference too, right? That's true. What we're That's like a little bit of patch whiplash too. Yeah, they played Seal <laughs> finals on the MSI patch uh, and then jumped ahead four patches for NACL week one. 
So we'll say quickly though, which one of those goals is not get relegated? Because at this base, <laughs> they are going to be in that race. You can't, that you can't have don't get relegated until you get make NACL. So it probably yeah, wasn't even on the docket. Yeah, maybe that's two now. Well, mm. now it's probably one. Maybe before it should be finals. one. Should be one. Should be up there for sure. Win seal all next year, maybe. <laughs> is is getting in there a little bit? Uh, that said, they they are also um, the other one is I, I do think you know they because there were high expectations for Maryville in some ways because they come in as having been this super dominant NACLQ team, right? They were the best team in the NACLQs. So in a vacuum, you would think that they would be at least middle of the pack because they should be better than all the teams they beat out. So they should be better than a Team Fish Taco. Uh, they should be close to an AOE. They should be better than um, Disguised in a vacuum, given that Disguised just got promoted up. But um, they aren't. And I, I do think part of that, right, is that clearly the roster consistency rule was suspended for this split. And we talked about that last... Uh, we talked about that last episode, too. And I think, like... If Team Fish Taco and Supernova are running the rosters they qualified with and Disguised is uh, TikTok Tony Top, then I, th I think then like Wildcard looks a lot, or not Wildcard, Maryville looks a lot better relative to the competition. But I think like every other team got to like rebuild out of the scraps of the implosion of Academy. Uh, and Maryville did not. Maryville got to run it with the roster that they qualified to a 16 team league with way weaker bottom six teams, uh, too. And. I think that hurt. Like I think that just sets them up for failure a little bit. And at the very least, the competition's a lot harder now than it was when they qualified. And I don't know that everybody's like taking that fact into consideration. Um, that's that. That's also like that. That is a thing that you can bring from my point with fear and amplified like ten times here with with Maryville. Because at least with fear, you can argue fear with the same roster can go head to head with the better teams. Not necessarily win against them, but go head to head because they already showed they could. But Maryville is a, a roster that is coming off of the yes, the NACL OQs. It's also going against the teams that are getting rebuilded, and then also going against NACL uh, adversaries. Like the amount of of talent that they are going to go against is nothing like they have gone at all at both Silo and OQ, and they need to try and improve off of that with the fact that they cannot make any changes or at least. Uh, as of now, they can't unless they, they change something big with uh, getting a player into their university and that way they can bring someone good. But, like, apart from that, it's looking really tough for Maryville and there's not a lot of, of ways to try and change that around. I guess yeah. the silver lining is going to next week, they'll get to play a lot of those teams that you guys mm -hmm. just talked about got to tweak their roster. Mm -hmm. I mean, they get about with Supernova, Wildcard, and AoE, so talked about how they should against aoe how they should compare against tifa's taco supernova being that similar boat in that vacuum Goto talked about i think week two will really settle where i think we feel as a whole with maryville and fear the most yeah and i'm i'm trying to find the confirmation here's the eg the eg series i believe will tell me what i'm looking to find here uh no it will not but uh, what I do want to call out also is it does seem like Maryville has had to sustain a coaching change is the other thing. Uh, I know Tej mm -hmm. just graduated, so maybe yeah, that is right. why he's 
maybe he's just taking some time off post-graduation. Maybe he's going to be exiting, so they're trying to make that transition earlier. Maybe the second he graduates, he says goodbye, and I'm not the coach anymore. Um, but they have their coach has been listed as CAC God. Uh, I do not know who that is. Um, I don't either. Actually. So <laughs> one more, one more piece, one more, one more round for the cope there for Nyarko is they are they are on a new coach it does appear at least so maybe it makes a little bit of a difference versus how they approach draft and how they've prepped on this new patch I appreciate all the cope guys what I will say is that while you guys are bringing the cheer I will throw a little bit of pessimism out there for maybe those who aren't as familiar with Maryville University this is a massive oversimplification as to this last year of games that I've seen them play in but there is kind of this feeling that I have that most of the time they are winning through obliterating weaker teams they know how to play from ahead and they know how to play when they are just feel like they're better players but when push comes to shove when they're up against evenly matched or maybe slightly better teams they do lose right they um mostly lose in those kinds of situations um and therefore i am a little bit worried about what's going to happen throughout the course of the season maybe it's just a matter of readjusting because they're obviously great players in their own right you know they jam a lot of solo queue they know what it's like to be on the end of a comeback and stuff like that so i am not super super doomer on the front that they just don't know how to play from behind or they don't know how to play against people who are their match uh but i do feel like we saw a little bit of that lack of that, that volatility and that lack of um, kind of even-handedness in this first week. And I just hope that it improves and develops throughout the season. Otherwise, it's going to be a rough time. Well, that's also the risk here. Like, you were talking about the players. I think they have potentially 10th and 9th place players, pretty much. Not meaning that they are, like, just at that level, but comparing a skill level, I think that, obviously, Getback is the one that jumps into my head. I already kind of called it out in the first episode, but I think he's the weakest mid laner in the league. And then I think, as of now, Auto Orange has looked like the weakest jungler as well. So when we were, like, think about how we started, right? Today, it's player of the week has win either jungle or mid laner. Or the callouts for player of the week has been either jungle or mid laner. If your mid lane or jungle are the weakest potential players in the league, that is going to make it even more difficult for that. And that's something that I always bring. Like, you cannot have the weakest mid laner because it just makes the game 10 times harder. You have to have a really good mid laner or at least one that is serviceable enough. Yeah, I think that's fair. Actually to make. Yep, I think that's definitely fair. And they're not, it's not like they're blowing the other positions out of the water either. So yeah. it's, it's a tough position for them to be in for sure. That's a lot of time spent on Maryville. Let's, uh, let's spend a little bit of time on the meta. Uh, let's talk about 13-11, uh, as well as, I don't, I believe we're going to be on 13-12 this next week. If not, probably one more week before we get to it. And and maybe just a little discussion on 13-11 meta, what we've seen so far, and, and uh, how we feel like it's been impacting some of these teams. Uh, it's just nuked and oversimplified the bottom lane draft board. 13-11 uh, has. Um, I'm most excited to see which a deep carry player is going to look drop off the most from what we're saying from the first two weeks to week three i guess would be the the bench if we're assuming that the test period for nacl is a week on a patch so week three is what we're tending 30 12 yeah which ad carries have been you know spamming zary getting away with zary play are going to look a lot shakier when they get thrown off of it because zary is definitely going to get thrown off the most uh, Belio and also Yumi. So the supports 
may get, you know, taxed a bit too. The most, the highest level of excitement I have though is I really hope this brings more engage-oriented play out of some of these support players. Uh, mm -hmm. I know that Rel is getting tweaked in this patch as well, but it's mostly her damage numbers to try and tweak the rise of AP Rel jungle. I think Rel is still very, very powerful as a support engage champion. I, I really like the changes she got with the stun to her Q, towards her Q. And we already know what a team threat, fight threat she can be. Obviously, Nautilus has still seen his fair share of play uh, in the NACL, but that's mostly coming from uh, APA in the mid lane and a couple of jungle plays. I, I hope to see Nautilus get a little more onus towards the bot side as well. So I hope we can really, because, you know, just sitting here as we got through, you know, going back to what TDS said, we, we talk a lot about mid laners and junglers, right? Um, we haven't really had a lot to talk about with support play yet, which is a little bit of a detrimental on us, but partly just where the meta is on 13.11. I hope that these changes that come through for 13.12 will let some of these supports that we talked up, like Zazel, like the Zazels on Disguise, be able to like really perform to the level of like, oh, we think they should be an LCS support. And also maybe expose supports that we uh, called not great for, for the league <clears throat> NXI role swapping um, when the meta gets swapped. <laughs> I am I'm as sick of the zero Yumi as everybody else. I do want to kind of call it like a weird trend that I guess we're not going to get to see corrected if Zeri exits the meta. But um and at least or at least becomes less of the insane 1v9 powerhouse that she is right now is like I've seen a, there's like been a weird tendency this week of like a bunch of teams giving up Zeri and then drafting comps that have no way of dealing with Zeri. Like, it's been very strange uh, every time one of those drafts ends up going through uh, just to watch the Zeri eventually pop off and take over the game. And, you know, sometimes it's been the favorites on the Zeri, and that's been normal. Sometimes there's been upsets because of it. I think the draft that stands out the most to me that was like that was uh, Wildcard AoE game number one. Um, where Wildcard uh, drafts a comp where the that's the that's the Karthus game that's the Zabudo Karthus game right and uh, the only way that that comp gets onto Zeri is by Flash Amumu alting her that is the only way that they have to deal with it and so of course Links like has the pop off of his life and like hard carries the game and that's very strange and then and Wildcard by the way then get apparently gets scared of doing their interesting comps and drafts five games of Gragas for Zabudo um, <laughs> who. Not to derail us too far here, but I, I'm, I'm so hyped on Zamudo after this week one. But on the meta, I, I, I don't know. I, at the very least, now we won't get to see any more of these compositions, hopefully, where, where Zeri just 1v9s the game because of draft gap. Well, Zeri is one thing. My, my expectation is maybe not to see death, but I just to see as a trend both Milio and Yumi to fall down quite a bit. I think Yumi probably disappeared, Milio fall down a bit. I still think that Enchanters are going to be strong enough, but the nerfs can be those sort of nerfs where it maybe isn't that much that they are taking away, but more so people believe that it is, and that just immediately pushed them away from actually playing. It has happened with a couple of champions where the nerfs are negligible, but it can push them out of the meta, and that can end up happening with some of the enchanters. I also think that as long as teams want to play around more of a engaged support meta, Nautilus is, it was already present even out of the support position, so he's going to stay there. I think Leon is going to make a comeback. Rakan as well wasn't never that bad, so you will have the engaged supports. And if that's the case, and the hyper carries like the affiliates on the series drop out, and it's just a jinx, if it comes, and also teams and players have already started playing a lot of Jin. If it becomes back to Jin meta, maybe an Ash in between, 
I, I kind of expect the teams to get the best, the most out of these are the teams that already have a really good top side to play around with. And that's kind of DSG, TLC, obviously, because Arrow is uh, Arrow for all his life has been essentially the Gene Ash player with Draven mixed in. But he he was the Gene Ash player for when KT was good. So now TL will have a player that will be more comfortable in, in that spot. And then you have the best top uh, top side potentially of the league. So I'm already laying it out there. But I think DSG and TLC probably not going to suffer that much. I'm worried about Flycedo because I think that Masu is much more of a hyper carry compared to the other 280 carries. And Flycedo has a good amount of issues with their mid lane particularly. I think Spyrax has yet to impress in a way that you can really call out to Flyzy to be one of the less affected by any of these changes. And if Masu can no longer hard carry, you're completely on Yuji and Samudo. And I'm not sure if that's going to be enough against some of the top the the tougher teams, right? Yuji and Faisal, right? Yeah, sorry, yeah, it's yeah, Yuji yeah. and Faisal. Just making yeah. sure. Yeah, I can see that for sure. I do hope the top lane meta doesn't get shifted up too much, though. I think we're in a really no, cool yeah. top lane area where, like, I think the best players are starting to really start to fold in the Renekton a little bit more. I love to see the Jax when it comes out. I still think we talked about this off stream a little bit, um, at least Nerko and I did, but, like, people like to complain about a champion when they see it too often, but there are good evergreen champions and there are bad evergreen champions. And I think Cassante is a good evergreen champion. Right. I He's got so much skill expression. He's got so much cool stuff you could do. There's always fun, flashy plays uh, that we were, you know, that are unexpected and shock everybody. That's going to be fun. I, I don't mind if Cassante gets to stay in the meta for a little bit. Maybe he could be knocked down a I little bit. A, bit. a little yeah, bit. A little a bit. bit. Yeah, I'll, I'll give him a little bit. But, uh, yeah. but I you know, I don't, like... If we go to Malphite meta, we're going to be sick of that in, like, a day, guys. We're going to be missing the Cassante if we yeah, go to, like, yeah. Malphite Orn again. Yeah, we don't want we don't want Cho'Gath. We don't want Cho'Gath again. <laughs> Malphite, Cho'Gath, Cyan. Good old times. Yeah, uh, no, people people think that they want... You think that you want your, uh, your... You think that you want Annie in the meta, but now you've had Annie in the meta. And did you really want Annie in the meta, or do you wish it was still Orianna and Silas well, and Akali? You know, <laughs> we all know the answer. Um, we've had some conversations around laners in this league that certainly like Andy being in the meta right about now. True, true. <laughs> Spyrax, sorry. Ooh. <laughs> See, I like how everybody was BMing me on hating Spyrax before, but now I think I, I think I got a few people on the Spyrax train. Uh, no, I'm not hating Spyrax. Either. I'm just saying yeah. he does like when Annie. He loves in the meta. that Annie, oh. man. He loves that Annie. To uh. quote Gordo, to quote for better Gordo, or for worse. To quote Gordo here, there's nobody in the NACL that could hit a. A flash tibbers combo like Spyrax. <laughs> like Spyrax can, yeah. There's nobody that can flash and push their buttons like Spyrax can. You see the crying of an A? <laughs> is he like crying now? Yeah, he might be. He He's might be. only an any player. The crying of an A. It could be. I can see that for sure. All right, we're we're getting close to the hour mark there. So let's look ahead to week two just a little bit and uh talk about some matchups that we're excited for, and then we'll close on out the episode. Uh I'll give it to somebody else first. Let's I've talked way too much already. Let's I I've got uh, I wrote one down. I'll get it quickly out of here so I, I don't over talk too much here. I think um, 
We talked a little bit about AOE, Darkwings, and Will, especially. Uh, I think they will be very much tested. We talked about a lot of teams. We're going to figure out how exactly they land, actually, in the, in the league and the standings. I think AOE also slots into one of those teams because right out the gate, week two, they are going to be taking on Fly Challengers and Disguise. So if AOE want to keep up the record they've hold through one week, they're going to have to really show out against those two teams that we all believe are potential champions of the summer split. I'm going to call upon the remaining Maryville University fans who have been beaten and battered as of late. It's been a past week of pain and suffering. We had a tough time in CLL finals as well, but I'm going to tell them, keep the faith. Watch out for Maryville versus wildcard. Keep the faith was really a bad turn of phrase for me. Now I'm thinking about CLG faith. I'm sorry. Tedious, take it away. <laughs> yeah, faith hasn't really been on your side the last split mm -hmm. either, so... So probably better not to call them out. So the obvious ones would have been the EGC series as well as the AOE ones. But I'm honestly really interesting as well, really interested as well in the DSG wildcard after talking about wildcard because we were talking about it, right? Technically, they could have been five and one if not for a couple of, of corrections here and there. So they could be a really interesting matchup, especially going against DSG on the last game of the week. I think that one could be really, really promising and could tell us. Uh, good amount of story about where wildcard could be i'm actually kind of interested in that one as well you know what i didn't even realize it when we were making the Standard. point that wildcard could have been five and one but wildcard yeah. could have been yeah. six and oh because the one yeah. is the karthus draft where the only way to get yeah. on the series is the immovable so, uh, it, so so they so they draft cap themselves in two games basically they the, draft cap the themselves I, in two games and then the third game was decided by a team fight where they got <laughs> dragon soul and managed to lose it like way harder yeah, than expected it, that's, that, that's the thing though i think wildcard is in their perfect rating because they three really great games and three games that are so questionable that only wildcard could have pulled them off like that's wildcard essentially right there yeah, yeah. i guess that's you could true. call them a wildcard in every matchup huh <laughs> Boy, I wish I'd had this thought at the beginning of the episode. I would, <laughs> I would have been yeah. really on the wild card train here, but unfortunately, we've gotten here organically over the course of an hour. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that'll, maybe that'll have convinced everybody at home along with me. We can still watch the la the game from with Wildcard and DSG, so it can still work out yeah. that way very well. True. My my team to watch for this final uh, coming in for this final week for this next week. There's so many more weeks. <laughs> Uh, for this next week is going to be Evil Geniuses. Uh, I think this is their big test to see do they really deserve to be up here at 4-2. Uh, they have a tough week. They have to play Flight Challengers and Disguised, um, both of whom are going to be really tough opponents for them. And if they can perform well, uh, I, I'll be very comfortable calling them a top team. Uh, and if they get slammed, then you know the, the question will stay open. Uh, they do also play Cincinnati Fear, who I hope can make a comeback. But again, if they're a top-tier team, I expect them to... Uh, be able to do well against fear as well i mean all three of those are teams that we had in the top four coming into the split if evil geniuses performs well i think we can put evil geniuses in the top four i honestly think out of every matchup this week fear eg challengers is going to be the, the the banger because i think it tells us the most about the league and not only not the league and those teams Fair, fair. I think those, yeah, yeah I, I yeah. definitely agree with that. It'll be an interesting, like, turning point for the for the standings uh, in that matchup in particular. So definitely a good one to stay tuned for. But that's going to do it for this week's episode of The Salt Mine. Thank you, everybody, for tuning on in. Uh, been a lot of fun just breaking down the regular season. We're going to be back every week throughout the rest of it uh, with Player of the Week and with our breakdown on the action. So 
going to see you guys next time. Stay tuned for those 30 games of NACL coming this weekend, and we will see you next time.